Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I hope that your day is going well and that you are looking forward to Christmas and New Year's. And so usually I do a show on that, and I am going to, but we're going to to first start with this idea that, you know, many times the holidays, instead of them being exciting and fun and energizing, sometimes they can just feel sad, lonely, disconnected, you know, just blah. And so if you are feeling lonely and disconnected, I'm hoping that what I'm going to give you today will be a gift, a Christmas gift. And so all of us feel lonely and disconnected from people, from ourselves, from family, from God, at several times during, you know, the month, the year, even the week or the day. It isn't one of those easy things to keep going. You have to kind of work at it. And so I want you to say to yourself, you know, if I'm feeling lonely, if I'm feeling disconnected, and I'm going into the holidays that way, then it kind of exacerbates the feeling, right? It makes it feel even worse. It, it emphasizes it. And so I want you to say to yourself, if I'm feeling that way, then the first thing I need to do is connect with me. Instead of abandoning myself. You know, I used to... When I was growing up and some in my college and, you know, up even into my 30s, I used to really wish I could be a different person. And, you know, I had all kinds of sometimes insecurities that I thought, why did I do that? Why did I do it this way? I wish I would have done it like this. And thinking that there was some magic key to feeling good about yourself and feeling confident and feeling like you like yourself and you're comfortable in your own skin. Well, I did finally find out what that is. And that is actually being happy with who I am. And I had to really come to terms with the fact that God was really happy with me, whether I was or not. And he made me for him first and foremost. And then he made me for myself as well. So he's wanting me to like myself, enjoy myself, be amazed by myself, be excited by myself, you know, just because of how he created me. 
So that may sound like a whole bunch of, I don't know, just gooey, you know, rhetoric. But it actually is the thing that really saved my life. And so I want you to ask yourself, are you happy with who you are? And one of the greatest Christmas gifts you can give yourself and all of those that love you, and actually the entire world, is if you can be happy with who you are, not happy with everything you do, not happy with the way the world is going, not happy necessarily with aging, right? Any of these things, but with the real you, the you that's going to heaven to be with God forever. That's the you that I want you to attach to. So this is about being comfortable in your own skin. And if the only thing you get from this show is realizing, accepting, and reveling in the fact that you are just being here on this planet, this is not happenstance. You were planned and then created. You're uniquely made. No one can really accurately copy who you are. Nobody can be the way you can be. I remind myself no one can succeed like I can and no one can mess up like I can. You have a specific fingerprint that you leave on this planet. Remember, even identical twins have different fingerprints. So I know for myself, there are many times when, you know, I just wished I could unzip myself and get out. I didn't want to be me. In fact, there were times I actually hated myself. I kept wanting to be somebody else. I was uncomfortable in my own skin. I felt like a jail in some ways because... I didn't pick my body. No one consulted me when I was created. See, if I was consulted, I would be a lot different. Like, I'm really a pretty good height. I'm 5'6", 5'7". That works really well. It can fit in almost anything, right? But I wanted to be taller. And so I really wanted to have thick hair. I don't have thick hair. (laughs) It's like very, you know, wispy. It'll do anything because it doesn't weigh anything. And I had to come to terms with the fact that that wasn't under my control and nobody consulted me. And so I would have done things differently. And I know if it were left up to me, I would never have been able to create the way that I was created. I didn't come up with the idea of me. And I had to come to terms with the fact that I will always be me. I can either be a good version of me or a negative version of me, but I will always be me. I had to make peace with myself. And that's where I came up with this statement that I want to be my own best version, the best version of me. This is the greatest gift you could give yourself this year. See, if I wasn't consulted in the creation process, I realized I still had a tremendous amount of say and how I was going to walk out this life. And, and, you know, think about that. It's not like we were born robots. So when I, when I think about this, it means that I have some say in how I'm going to walk out this life. But consequently, if I had to be me, then I'm going to need to embrace me and not fight it. So I'm sure if you've listened to this show over the years... You've probably heard this saying as well in different places, that acceptance. And the greatest gift you could give yourself this Christmas 
is accepting you. Now, it's the key to all my problems, actually. If I can accept the things I can't change, and I'm willing to change the things that, quote-unquote, need to be changed in order for me to be me, then I can be the best version of me. But here's the thing. God has given all of us free will. So when I think about changing the things that need to be changed, I wonder if I should consult the Creator. He probably knows better than me. I'm sure you've seen people that have done all kinds of things to their bodies. They've done all kinds of ways to dress. They've done all kinds of ways to do their hair, how they use language, how they do time. And you have to ask yourself, hmm, they're probably trying to become the best version of themselves, but they don't know how to do it. And so they're trying on all kinds of things. So I want you to remember, and if you've listened to this show, you've heard I, that me talk about being adopted and all the things that come with adoption. And much of my struggle in that was that I was placed in a family that wanted children very, very much. They love people. However, they had to ter- come to terms with the fact that the baby they adopted was nothing like them at all. So there's something amazing about looking like your family. See, it's very validating, and it gives you a very strong and supportive feeling of belonging. But if you're nothing like your family, and all of us to one degree or another, mine, you know, are, are different. Mine's a little uh, exaggerated because of being adopted. And so all of us have to find our way. And the greatest Christmas gift you can give yourself is finding you. So this is one of the ways that you end up feeling good in your own skin. And you don't feel so disconnected from who you are. And you really can then say, wow, if I can accept myself, I have a lot more power to impact the world in positive ways if I want. I'm also going to have a lot more peace because I'm a lot more settled with who I am. It's kind of like, you know, driving a car. There are some cars that can do certain things and some cars can't. So I say to people, you know, you don't drive like a four-wheel drive like you would a Lamborghini. It doesn't work. So you want to take advantage of how you're created. And the acceptance piece is recognizing that you can do all kinds of things to your body. You can do all kinds of things to your hair but you're always going to be you. And so this is the interesting thing about the creative God. Most creative people lose their mind if you change their creation. Lose their mind. But God has given us free will. And he says, hey, this is where I started. This is what I like. This is the dream I had. And I'm giving it to you. So for Christmas... Let's really be the best version of ourselves. Instead of feeling lonely and disconnected and hating ourselves and doing all the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, if only then, and wishing for all these things that if I had, you know, if I was taller, if I was thinner, if I was bigger, if I was more muscular, if I was smarter, then. So let's stop with the if only then. Let's maybe say going into the new year, we're going to stop doing the if only then. We're going to do 
what we can do, what is good for us, and we're going to really accept that maybe I'm going to have to make some big changes in order to really live well with me. So when we think about this, we're going to come back in this next segment, and I'm going to read a Psalms for you, which will apply to everybody, and will apply for you the entire length of your life. And it's a very beautiful Psalms, and it's, it's Psalms 139. And this is one of those Psalms that will help you to understand how to connect with you and stay being your own best ally. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about feeling lonely and disconnected. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining today. And I so appreciate again and again and again, I want to say to you how thankful I am that you send this to your friends and family and that you encourage them to go to the website, to listen to the podcasts, to see all the things that I have for you to really be the best version of you. So I want you to really take advantage of that. And I always am so thankful that you tell your friends and family and coworkers about the show. So we're talking about this idea of are you feeling lonely and disconnected? And this is a common feeling around Christmas and New Year's because it just kind of, you know, causes us to think on what it should be, could be, would be if only then. And because it's not, then we end up kind of saying to ourselves, well, I should be this, I could be this. You know, if I would be this, then this good thing would happen, right? So we kind of should all over ourselves. So we want to be careful that we don't go into the holidays with that kind of an attitude because it's stealing from us, steals from you, steals from me, steals from others. So we've been talking about this idea of are you happy with who you are? Because the best way to curb loneliness is to enjoy the one you're with, right? Which is you. And to learn how to enjoy you and your own company. Because that's the thing that causes you to be a more confident person, a more stable person, a more moral person, a happier person, a more relaxed version of you. It's about being comfortable in your own skin. So we left that last segment, the first segment of the show, and I was talking to you about this idea that, you know, the struggle that we have with ourselves is whether or not we accept ourselves. And so we need to make sure that we accept who we are. We can change a lot of things, but it goes back to, you know, the type of car you, you, you drive. You can't turn a Vega, you know, into a Porsche, right? So if you wanted a Lamborghini and you got a four-wheel drive truck, then you might have to say to yourself, is there someone with greater wisdom than I that gave me something that I didn't think I wanted? And maybe it can be a gift and I can find out it's the best thing I've ever received. So I want to read you this Psalms and it's Psalms 139. And it helped me tremendously when I was dealing with just who I am and why I am this way and why can't I be one way or another way. And this is this Psalms 139 
was written by David, and it says, You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in from behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make a bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And if I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. Now this is super important. This is one of the verses that truly set me free. When I read that God said, For I have created you in my inmost being. He says, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and your works are wonderful. Okay, now that's a tough one to swallow. That's a really tough one to swallow. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, (laughs) and your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. Well, it took me a long time to know that. It took me very long to know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And he goes on to say, my frame wasn't hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. See, he knew you before he created you. And he goes on to say, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, this is when I realized how God must feel when I was chronically complaining about myself. He's really happy with me. And me, I'm I'm an artist myself. I know how it feels when someone doesn't like or understand or appreciate what you've created. Or they start tearing it apart. Or they redo it, undo it, shelve it, take it back off the shelf, attempt something else, instead of just saying, this creation is a gift. And so I want you to think about this. Everyone has an emotional aroma that they bring with them wherever they go. You, you know that thing. It's like a vibe, right? It's like you can be in an you know, office meeting and one of the other employees walks in and you like look at each other and you're like, wow, they're not okay. Something's up with them. And everybody kind of gets on their guard, right? So I want you to think about this. One of the best ways to not disconnect from you, one of the best ways to learn to like you is to understand you. And so the best way that I have found was with the Myers-Briggs Temperament Inventory. Now, there's a whole lot of other inventories. This one, for me, was the simplest. 
And it, it was kind of a lot more concrete than some of the other ones were. And it really gave some definition. And so it also helps you to understand that, that we don't, it's not a hard stop. It's like I can have this quality and it kind of blends into another quality. But at the same time, it's kind of the reference point. It's the strongest or the most dominant quality. And it doesn't mean that I don't have a shadow side. It doesn't mean I don't have remnants of different ways to interact or think or feel. But it will give you some kind of important, like, I don't know, lane lines as you are going. So when we, when we think about this, we can even use the DEF CON principle and know, know that you are your own country, and it's a country to be protected, and a country that we hope will thrive. You're a sovereign nation with a very specific culture and unique idiosyncratic elements. So your temperament largely determines that culture. So temperament describes what comes naturally to you, the systems and the preferences which influence your behavior, which is one of the reasons the more you know you, the more comfortable you will be with you, you will also like yourself more instead of always thinking you need to change and be somebody else. You know, if only then, right? That you can go, wow, this is what God did. He was thinking about me before I was created. He had me in his mind and in his heart, and he was happy that he made me. And now I get to understand the actual creation. Now think about, you know, any of the people that, that are artists, right? Don't you want to understand their creation? This is Cynthia I with Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking about, are you feeling disconnected and lonely at this time of year? Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I appreciate so much you listening to the show and all that you do on social media and taking advantage of the shows and the, uh, the workbooks that we have and the study guides that we have for you. And I want you to really take advantage of it. And thank you so much for telling your friends about the show. I really appreciate that. And today I am really talking probably about one of my favorite topics, and that's you talking about you. And if you're feeling lonely and disconnected at this time of year, I can see why. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a complex time of year, and it, it's loaded with a lot of things that are quite uncomfortable many times and hurtful and scary and maybe bring up past things. And so I want you to ask yourself, if, if you're feeling lonely and disconnected, then maybe what we want to do is we want to reintroduce you to you so that you can be happy with who you are because remember that saying, everywhere you go, there you are? You can't get away from you. And so one of the things that helps the loneliness and the disconnected is to sometimes go inside before you go outside to get what you need. So let me say that again. Sometimes we need to go inside and order our internal home before we go outside to try to get needs met. Because if we recognize the needs we have in our internal world and we are better able then to meet those needs, we're going to be far more confident when we're interacting with others. We're not going to need as much. 
And so let's talk about this. Are you happy with who you are? Are you comfortable in your own skin? And so if this is the only thing you get from the show, it's that you need to realize, accept, and revel in the fact that you just being here on the planet in this time is a miracle. It's not happenstance. You were planned, and then you were created. So in the last segment, we talked a lot about that Psalms 139, that the beautiful poem that David writes. And he talks about, you know when I sit, you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You know, you know me completely. I can't get away from your presence. And, it's, and it goes on to say, I understand now that I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. I cannot comprehend how you have made me. So what we want to do is we want to realize how God must feel when I chronically complain about myself. He's really happy with me. And if any of you have an artistic, you know, quality, or those of you who may not be necessarily artistic but love art, then you know how it feels when someone doesn't like or understand or appreciate what's been created. So this is where we're going to really look at you knowing you better so that you don't have to fight with yourself. And one of the ways I do that in my practice is I use what we call the Myers-Briggs Temperament Inventory. And there are a lot of other temperament inventories and identity, you know, types of inventories. But this is the one that I kind of like because it's, it's kind of moldable, but it's also very concrete. And so it's really needing to know yourself. And this, this way, you get to figure out if you're being the person that you actually want to be with. Because then others will actually want to be with you as well. So the Myers-Briggs was developed in 1930s. And it was developed by this woman named Catherine Briggs and Isabel Myers. They began the study on temperament type in the 1920s. And so this was really helpful for me when I first took this test. Because when I've talked about being adopted and really I can't get any cues from my family because I'm not like any of them. So it's me blindly figuring out who I was. And so this, this inventory really helped me tremendously in figuring out that, oh, there's a reason I think this way. There's a reason I act this way. There's a reason I want this or need this, whatever that is. And it really helped me to be able to assess and manage who I am. It's like somebody finally gave me the playbook of me, the owner's manual of me. And that way, I always have a reference point. And if I get too far away from the reference point, it starts to kind of unravel. And I realize I have to move back toward being me, not who somebody wants me to be, not even who somebody needs me to be. But I always have to be the best version of me and know my limits, know my talents, knowing my abilities, knowing my temperament. How am I made? What are the qualities in me that are just me? Nobody asked my permission. I mean, God did not consult me when he created me. I probably would have made a mess of it if he did. And so at this point in my life, I'm very thankful that he didn't consult with me on making me. But I want you to think about this. So we're going to do more of this understanding temperament in the last segment here.
Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I want to make sure, as always, that you take advantage of the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And my name is spelled just like it sounds, C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. And I want you to really recognize that we have lots of things there. We have some study guides. We have different um, types of handouts that you can have. We have lots of things that will help you to truly be the best version of you. And so thank you for letting your friends know about the podcast and the website and all that there is to offer there. So we're talking about this idea of are you lonely and feeling disconnected? Now, this can happen at any time in our life. It doesn't always make sense to us. I can feel lonely and disconnected in a mob, right? I can feel lonely and disconnected by myself. So this is part of understanding that one of the ways I handle the loneliness and the disconnect is if I go back to me and knowing me and understanding who I am and validating that. And then that helps me be the best version of me, which causes me to actually like myself a lot more. See, I don't like everything I do, obviously, but I do like a lot of things about me. And I have to tell you, that took me a long time to do, a long time to accept me and actually think, Maybe I do kind of like some of these things that God did, some of the ways that he made me. So when we talk about this temperament inventory, there's lots of different ones you can use. This is the one I use in my office. I've used it for 30 years. I love it, 25 years. And it is the Myers-Briggs temperament inventory. And it's one of the oldest ones. It was created in the 1930s. And what it does is it really kind of outlines eight different preferences. And for each pair of preferences, people fall along a spectrum, always having both parts, but leaning really more heavily and naturally to one side. So when we look at these qualities, the first one is introversion versus extroversion. So it doesn't mean that we are either or. It means what's the one that's most dominant for me? So that if I'm operating out of the dominant side of me, I'm going to be energized. If I'm ap- you know, operating out of the non-dominant side of me, I'm going to get tired a lot faster. So for me, I'm an introvert. I know that's kind of shocking because <laughs> I do kind of have a big personality, but introverts get really tired emotionally quickly unless it's deep and meaningful. So they have a hard time with small talk and they have a hard time in big groups They have a hard time breaking in and trying to interact with the people. They like one-on-one conversations better. Introverts can get easily overwhelmed. And so I tell this story to um, lots of people. I went to um, Paris because one of my girlfriend's husbands was actually racing the 24-hour Le Mans. It was crazy. It was so exciting and fun. But I'm with these three girlfriends of mine that are really intelligent, you know, very successful, very extroverted. And so one of the things I would do, you know, pretty often or quickly is I would go to the bathroom a lot. No, I didn't have to go to the bathroom. I just wanted to stand in a stall and have nobody talk to me. (laughs) I didn't want to have all this like interaction and all kinds of talking and I don't know what I'm doing. And so years later, one of my girlfriends that I went with, I was telling her about being, you know, introverted versus extroverted. 
And she goes, oh, you're an extrovert. And I said, no, I'm not. She goes, you, you talk so much. You talk to people all day. You perform. You do all these, like, shows. And, you, you know, you do conferences. And, and I said, that's, that's not the problem. Extra introversion is I get tired of talking about things that don't mean something to me, that are chit-chat. Chit-chat is brutal for an introvert. For extroverts, what happens for them I say to them, hey, if you've been alone for too long, just go to the grocery store. Talk to anybody and you'll feel so much better. And extroverts are wonderful for me. I have lots of them in my life because then I don't have to work so hard because they take up a lot of the space and really give me time to kind of collect my thoughts. And extroverts are really good at making things happen. And this is why I want you to think about the introversion versus the extroversion has something to do with whether or not you're feeling lonely and disconnected. See, if you're an introvert and you don't get enough time to introvert, you're going to not know who you really are and you're going to feel weird. And you're not going to feel really confident. If you're an extrovert and you have no one to talk to, that lonely and disconnected feeling is going to get bigger. You know, you can only talk to yourself for so long, right? So take a look at these kind of like, or, or listen to these like general differences. For introverts, they're more reflective. They like to work alone. They think before they act or they talk. They can concentrate for long periods of time. They need rest after socializing. My, my greatest place to rest is my car. <laughs> and so I want you to know that there's, if you see people sitting in a parking lot in a car, they're probably not a creeper. They just might be an introvert that had to get away for a while. <laughs> okay. They dislike interruptions. They want to talk about deep and meaningful, complicated things. And they many times need to be drawn out. Well, here's extroverts for you. Highly enthusiastic. Lots of times they act before they're thinking. They love expressing themselves because extroverts have to talk out loud to know what they think. See, introverts have to think about what they want to say before they can say it. So introverts, you know, chronically think, oh, I just missed my opportunity. Now I'll never be able to say it because the conversation has moved on. So extroverts love expressing themselves. They, they have to talk out loud to understand. And they can be impatient. They also have a lot of friends. And they learn tasks by doing it. And this is where I want you to think about. Extroverts have tons of energy. And they can feel lonely quite quickly. Now, when we look at intuition and sensing, this is another quality. And these two pillars are in this quality. So intuition and sensing preferences really mean this is where we gather information about the world around us. So intuitive types learn from a context, and they love the big picture. Sensing types take in a picture detail by detail. So when my husband finally learned that I am a very, very intuitive thinker, that helped him understand why I start with this big thing before I ever can get to why I'm talking about it. So I have to give all of this information <laughs> to paint this, you know, scenario. And, and, I, and the more I talk about it, the bigger sometimes it can get because one idea can lead to another idea. And I love thinking. And so intuitives don't care about the details. They kind of like, once they get the big picture, they throw the details out. It's meaningless. And this is, I, I tell this story frequently when I'm talking about the, the Myers-Briggs. When my husband was redoing our house, he's, there's a, a sliding door or like just an open space between the kitchen and the living room. 
And so, you know, he said, what do you want me to do here in terms of a door? You know, and I said, oh, wow, well, we can have a hanging door, a sliding door, no door, you know, um, like kind of like a kitchen door. We could have, you know, um, a door that has, you know, half. And, and I'm going on and on about all these different types of doors. And my husband says to me, Cynthia, I just want to know if you want a door. Okay. <laughs> so, you see, he's the detail person. He says, I can't move forward until I know you want a door. And, and so it made me laugh so hard because I was like, I gave him all these options, right? And he's getting flooded with all these options. So when we think about this, we understand that sensing types and intuitive types process information really differently. And so the sensing types want to focus on practical examples. The intuitive person is all about the world of ideas. See, I, for me, I'm intuitive. Ideas are entertaining. I can just think and think and think, and I love all the ideas. I don't necessarily need to do them. I just love all the ideas. So when we think about it, recognize that intuitives are, are more, they like theories. They fo focus on the future possibilities. They love solving complex problems. And they dislike repetition or taking time for precision. See, and that can get in my way a lot of times. I'm not very precise. I'm, I'm global. So intuitives look for connections, and they love metaphors. And so sensing types, though, are very careful about facts and very precise in their work, and they focus on what works right now. They like tangible results, and they really enjoy an established way of doing things. They're methodical. They're literal, very literal. They apply what they know, and they understand pieces in their uniqueness. They don't understand necessarily the big picture. So we also have another area. This is the thinking and feeling. And people that are thinking can, can feel like, wow, they're kind of like robots. It's like, don't you care about how I feel? And so the thinking people are absolutely emotional, but they like to think first and find the facts and try to put together you know, a system to help their way out of the feeling. So they're not great with feelings. They have them. They don't really necessarily like to talk about them. The feeling person, on the other hand, really enjoys, you know, like this idea of they value mercy, they love harmony, really important for feeling people. They get very upset if somebody's mad they don't know why. And they're very empathy-oriented. They consider other people's feelings. They, they take things personally sometimes need lots of affirmation, and they really enjoy pleasing people. They enjoy really helping people, and they take interest in people more than whatever the idea is. And so we have this other one. It's organizing and adapting. So what do you think that means? Well, the organizing and adapting are modes of living. How do you do your day-to-day -day life? Organizers use their calendar and count on it. They might color code it, schedule it, love to go to Staples. Adapters, on the other hand, live in the moment. So if you're an organizer and you live with someone that's more adapting, it's difficult to pin them down because they can't really commit to anything. So this is where we want to think about how can I really work on this so that I cannot be feeling lonely and disconnected from me? I need to understand who I am so that I can accurately get my needs met. And this is imperative as we go into this time. When you're spending time with family, 
You're spending time with, you know, your spouse's family, your family, friends' families, work families. You want to be able to say to yourself, you know, maybe this person is just a different temperament than I am. So maybe I can connect with them by asking them, hey, why do you think like that? What is that? Why does that work for you? I'm interested. See, these things build relationships and connections. And it isn't about telling someone they're wrong or making it be like there's something wrong with you. It's about really understanding that God made this person this way. And if I am willing to be interested, then I'm going to find some really cool things. I'm going to find some cool things about this person. And they're going to be able to understand me better. And we are then going to be much better about understanding the emotional aroma and that what that brings, how they bring that and the best way to interact with them. And what's so much the emotional aroma that you bring with you that lingers behind? Is it fear, anger, guilt, judgment? Or is it peace and hope and courage? So I hope that this helps. I don't want you to feel like there's something wrong with you. I want you to recognize that just like driving a car, learning a new computer, we have to begin to understand it and accept what we can change and what we can't. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I look forward to talking with you again next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be